You're listening to episode 23, Enough. Hello, darlings, and welcome to the Wake Up and Show Up podcast with your girl, your host, Portia Scott. This podcast is on a mission to inspire and empower you to take your life off autopilot, optimize the power of your uniqueness, and execute intentionally in every area of your life. Hello, darlings, and welcome to today's episode. Today's episode is what I like to call an espresso shot. So over here at the Wake Up and Show Up podcast, we are changing up things. We are trying some new things. So let us know what you think about this episode. And what an espresso shot is, is it's really an opportunity to have these candid conversations. I know when I come on, I do have conversations about my own personal experiences, my own journey. But these will be a little bit different because we'll focus in on a topic, a subject, something that's in the news, whatever it is, but it will be a candid conversation. And for so many years, I've always wanted to do something like this. I've always wanted to record the conversations that I have in my living room when my friends are here drinking coffee, some funny, some deep, some a little petty but I wanted to bring my personal experiences to these conversations. So about a week ago, I was talking to a friend of mine and she had the idea to have these candid conversations. So let's get into today's espresso shot. When John and I first got married, one of my non-negotiables, probably my most important non-negotiable was, you can never hit me. I won't bounce back from there. We can't come back from that. I mean it. I remember that conversation so vividly. And I remember how strong I felt about it when I said it because I absolutely meant it. You know, sometimes there are times when we think we're healed. It's been about four, five, six, maybe seven years since the last incident. So you believe that you're healed from whatever the thing is. But oh no, at seven months pregnant, John and I were having an argument, a pretty loud one. I was probably the loud one as a matter of fact because I tend to raise my voice when I feel like I'm not getting heard and for some reason it just makes sense that if you get louder, you'll be heard. So we are going back and forth and he goes to stand up to go into the kitchen. But for me, I had a flashback and I jumped from one couch to the other one. I got in his face and I said, are you going to hit me? He jumps back and says, what in the world are you talking about? Why would I hit you? I would never hit you. And I fell back on the couch. How could I think he would hit me? Maybe it was because I had been hit before. It was out of that conversation that we decided that whenever we had a heated argument, that there would be no sudden movements. We laugh about it now, but it really, really was true at that time and that point in my life when he got up to go to the kitchen, when he went to make a move that anyone else would, I immediately jumped to the conclusion that he was going to hit me. As far as I can remember, I always said in my mind that I would never let a man hit me. It was my non-negotiable before I knew what a non-negotiable was. There was something about that that my 12-year-old self knew wasn't right. 
I was lying on the couch, awakened by the sound of her saying, don't hit me, don't hit me. I opened my eyes slightly because I was scared and I didn't want them to think I was awake. I didn't want her to think I could hear. I wasn't only scared for her, but I didn't want her to be embarrassed. No! She hit the floor. I didn't see it, but I could hear it. And then she came over to me and shook me a bit and said, Portia, wake up. Let's go to your mother's. I loved being over her house because she was older than me, but younger than my mom, so she was like an older sister. And she was beautiful, I mean gorgeous. And she had two beautiful kids. He was a nice guy. He was never mean to me, and he never raised his voice or hand to me. So what would make him so mad? And that was the moment I knew no one would ever hit me. I thought a lot about that over the next couple of months when she would walk through my mother's door with a black eye, scratches on her neck. I could see her body was so sore because he had hit her so much she could barely walk. I know what you're saying because I too would join the bandwagon and ask that same question. She is stupid for staying. Why do they stay? Why do they stay? It's the question I would ask the 19-year-old me once the light bulb came on. But this isn't everyone's story. I mean, yes, he has pushed me before, but I pushed him back, so that's not abuse, right? At least that's what I told myself. As long as I hit back, as long as I fight back, it's not abuse, because abuse only happens to people who let it happen to them. Oh, and there is never any hits on your face because those bruises are easily seen. But he might just grab me by my neck. I remember the first time my feet came off the floor. Yep, that is when I thought I would die. But I didn't leave then either. The most vivid memory? I was waking up out of my sleep because someone had taken their foot with all its force and kicked me in my back. I didn't know you could kick someone that hard. I didn't know you could kick someone in the back so hard that they fall off the bed and it knocks the wind out of them. That was it. I left and we were done. But why did I stay so long? And why would allow someone to do almost the same things? Have you ever heard anyone tell you that they would chop you up, put you in a body bag and mail you to your mother? I know, you've never heard that because any sane person would never say that. And any saner person would never stay after that. I know this episode is deep, but many of us wonder, why do they stay? We listen to our girlfriends, our mothers, our sisters, our friends. We see them cry as they tell us these unimaginable stories that happen behind the closed doors of the projects to the multi-million dollar mansions. Our color, race, socioeconomic status, or education won't stop you from an abuser. There's no one lookalike. Some you have known most of your life, and then one day, he hits you. She hits you. Others are charming and good-looking, and I do mean good-looking. But then you see the rage that they have or that they have had with someone else, but they would never do that to you or Prince Charming who buys you everything you want 
because they want control. My light bulb came on before it was too late, but it was still a very, very long time before I left. It was still a very long time. And even in those moments, I would say to myself, I'm done. This is over. And then I'd get a nice necklace or maybe a nice ring. Sometime it was a nice purse. Sometime it was dinner. And was dinner and a purse and a necklace and earrings, were they worth my safety? And then I realized I wasn't staying for the stuff. I was staying for the fact that I was lost in a virtual reality game. It's almost as if you have this fantasy and then you have reality. And when your fantasy and reality don't play out the same, it's a very confusing place to be because you go between fantasy because this person is nice and kind and gives you gifts and takes you out and treats you great. And then you have the reality of the other person that this person can be. And so sometimes it is much easier to pretend that the fantasy version is always the fantasy version and that the real version will never come out. But what I learned was that it's all about control. It's all about control. I'm not sure if you remember the movie Sleeping with the Enemy. It's a great movie. And Julia Roberts plays the wife, Laura, who is abused by her husband. Well, her husband always takes her out on some boat outing at least once a year, knowing she can't swim. Like, how much control is that? Just the fear. I can swim, but I know people who cannot swim. And when they get close to water, it is like panic city. Well, Laura has learned how to swim and she fakes going overboard and everybody thinks she's drowned. It is perfect. It came out in 1991. So if you haven't seen it, you have to go see it. In the movie, Laura says something that's so profound that really summed up what I was thinking about when I was thinking about why do they stay and how do I say this in a podcast in a way that people can really understand, have empathy, and maybe change the narrative about this. In the movie, she says, that was the night I died and someone else was saved. Someone who was afraid of water, but learned to swim. It goes on a little further, but this part, the fact when she says, someone who was afraid of water, but learned to swim. And that's the dichotomy in abusive relationships. There are so many reasons why people stay. And one of the real reasons is drowning. Not in the sense of water, but in the sense of, I don't know what's going to happen. I've never done this before. They're oftentimes afraid they're going to drown if they start over. Sometimes you would rather deal with the devil you know than be alone. I know you should be happy being alone, girlfriend. Being alone is easy. It'll be fine. It's better to be alone than to be dead. And I agree with all of that, but it's just not that easy. And sometimes you'd rather deal with what you know than the craziness of uncharted waters. 
You know, I always think about the fact of fear itself and that not just in abusive relationships, but fear, fear of drowning, it will stop us from moving forward. It will stop us or keep us doing the same thing over and over and over again. And this is the same thing. You'd much rather deal with the enemy you know or the devil you know than to be alone. And then sometimes they're afraid they'll drown because the person knows where the bodies are buried. One of the things that I've heard someone say is, um, you know, when you get married, you're just all in love, right? And you cannot ever think about a time that you won't be with that person. And then when you go through a divorce, nothing's off limits. And I think that oftentimes we're afraid because that person knows where the body is buried. So whether or not it's a marriage, whether or not it's just another relationship like it was with mine, I trusted these people. I trusted them with some of my secrets And the fear of leaving and someone else knowing my secrets and my secrets could be exposed, that in itself was enough for me to stay. Sometimes they're afraid they will drown because as crazy as it may seem on the outside, the thought of losing them hurts more than the abuse. It's really hard to reconcile what you know in your head and what you feel in your heart. That combination is very, very complicated. It's much more than the just the person you are now making these decisions. It has a lot to do with the way we look at love. It has a lot to do with our own wiring. And listen to this. You can be in these relationships and have great parental relationships. Oh my goodness. I just said it. Because so often we say, well, if she had a great relationship with her mother, or if he had a great relationship with his mother, or if she had a great relationship with her father, if he had a great relationship with his father, I had an amazing relationship with my daddy. I still do. I talked about him in several podcasts. But you know what? It was my own wiring, my own sense of what love was, and my own fears of drowning. I wanted to talk about this because I see the memes. I hear the commentary about what people would and wouldn't do as soon as we see somebody, some abuse case, some abuse thing on TMZ, and we all have our own opinions and we're right to each and every one of those. But I think it's funny that we never know what we would and wouldn't do in those situations until we're in it. As a strong woman, I am a strong woman. And I was in a relationship that was abusive. I was in several that were abusive. It messes with your mind, your emotions, and your spirit. It changes you. Because before the actual hitting happens, usually there's some emotional abuse that happens. There's some changing of your self-esteem that happens subtly. There's a change in you that you may not have noticed, but your friends may have or your family, but it happened so subtly that you didn't even realize it. And so I know that you love them and I know you care, but telling someone in that situation that they are stupid and what you would never do, 
stop for a minute. You don't think they know this? Oh, they know this. They know they need to leave. They know they need to get out. But for some, it's just not that easy. But what they need from you is they need you to be there. It's much easier to have a solution when the problem isn't yours. I want to hear from you. I want you guys to interact with me in this particular subject, in these espresso shots. I want to hear, have you been in this situation? How did you get out? Or even if you have questions about it, let's talk about this. Let's keep the conversation going on Instagram and even on Facebook. It's a conversation that needs to be had and it needs to be able to be talked about without a stigma to it, without someone feeling bad or being ashamed of what happened. Because when you talk, you can save someone else. I'll leave you with this thought. A kind gesture can reach a wound that only compassion can heal. Steve Maraboli. As always, we end every show with this declaration. Waking up is automatic. Showing up is intentional. Today, I will show up. Thank you again for spending time with me today and listening to the Wake Up and Show Up podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, subscribe so you never miss a show. Leave us a five-star review and share with a friend or foe. You can follow us on Instagram at I am Portia Scott, Facebook at I am Portia Scott. Until next time, go impact the world.